He, uh, uh, you know, I remember the, the, the thing I remember the most, or the one encounter I remember the most, he took me outside. He had this little red Honda car, and uh, he Russ listened to this. I think it was probably the first time I heard Christian contemporary music. I don't know if it was KSBJ back then or whatever he was playing the car. He just put the music on, and we sitting in the car, and, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, man, I'm tired, I'm hungover, you know, from the night before. And he's playing me this music, you know, hey, man, what do you think about this, isn't it? I was, and I always had a respect for God, no matter what, what I did. And so I thought he was a cool dude. I thought he was courageous, even though he wasn't like me, because he was, you know, he was, he would stand up for his, uh, uh, what he believed. He was, he was, let, let people know, hey, I'm, I'm celibate, I'm a virgin, this, that, you know, 40 something year old virgin. He was 40 something, he was 40 something. But, I know y'all get the movie thing I just threw in, you missed it. <laughs> And so, uh, but he was, he was proud, man. He would, uh, you know, he would, he would, he would let people know. And I, I really appreciate that about him. Uh, and, and so it was, it was, it was a good thing. He, he really sold that seed. I never forgot it. And I was thinking about him maybe like a week before. And then, uh, he, he hits me that, that next week and he comes out. And so it was amazing to see, man. I never forgot that day that what that dude did for me, sitting in that little Honda with that music that day was a big part of my life change. So some twenty something years later, here he shows up, and and it was amazing. Um, and 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 so I've been te- I've been teaching you and talking to you guys, and I always have for years and years and years about how it's about. And do you remember what I said? It's about my faith, right? Right. What is it about my obedience, right? Right. What's the other thing? My faith, my obedience. Somebody help me. Okay, it's about my faith, my obedience, and my actions. My Right, it's about my faith. It's about my obedience. It's about my actions. Uh, and so, uh, as a pastor, some some days, man, it's it, well, it used to be. It's not anymore because I had to get that myself. It used to be discouraging. Some days you come in and you know, and hey, and, you know, like today, half the folks missing. What is it? The beach, school, wherever, you know. I don't know what happened, you know. And so, uh, and sometimes people can't be here because they can't be here. They got to work. They just, they can't be here. That's just what it is. You can't be here, you can't be here. But sometimes it's like, I was asleep. You know, I was sleeping. Oh, I didn't get up. You know? But, but I, but what I have to remember is that don't affect me. You know, you need to know that don't affect you. Right? Because it's about your faith. It's about your obedience. It's about your actions. Yeah. Is that right? And so, uh, you know, just another test, a couple, tell a couple testimonies to back that up. It's, it's going to be about you. It's going to be about you because only you know. Only you know how serious you're being with God. And only you know what's going on at your house uh, with you and God. And so, uh, uh, and, and I, won't, I won't tell all the details of this business, but uh, this Russell called me this week. And as you know, he, he made he a tremendous seed into the restaurant project. Uh, all the artwork and everything he did over there. And uh, and the Lord had me tell him something last a couple of weeks ago about people having meetings, behind, you know, without him even being there and him being involved in these meetings and, and God giving tremendous blessings from it. And so he, he texted me this week. We were in the heat of battle over there at the restaurant. <laughs> and uh, he said, hey, remember you told me this uh, last week or a week ago? He said, I just got it. He said, he said I got a, uh, uh, what they call it, a text. A text message, and I got a text message that said, I can't breathe right now. 
because of what happened. And so they, they sent him a very sizable contract. Very sizable. Very, 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 very sizable contract. With his work. And so we've been praying about that. And he's been really pushing him and his wife and really pushing in that direction. But, but man, hey, and, and I'm going to tell you something. When he first started coming, you know, he first walked in here. I'm like, my church is not setting a good example. He beating new people, beating everybody here. And so, uh, so, so again, it's about your faith. It's about your actions, about your obedience. This week, uh, Tuesday, in the midst of everything else that we got going on, one of our guys that, uh, and I work with, I'm sure he'll be coming to church here soon, too. But one of the guys that I've worked with over the years and we've done films together, started with me with Outreach. We are, on Tuesday, going to shoot a scene uh, to a movie that I wrote to be able to to shop it uh, to some people, some investors, and some distributors. And uh, th- things, exciting things happen in my life that I don't tell you everything about because it's normal for me. And, uh, and I understand it's about my faith, it's about my obedience, it's about my action. I'm in Cleveland, Texas, mm-hmm. right Maybe 20 people in the room right now. Uh, Cleveland, Texas, 20 people in the room. And I have things happening to me like one of my, my friends who's an actor who's been in about 10 Hollywood movies. Uh, he calls me from Martha's Vineyard and says, I'm here in Martha's Vineyard. And, and, and Chris Broussard is here. Chris Broussard used to work for ESPN. He worked for uh, Fox now. He's an analyst. And, and uh, started in Cleveland covering LeBron James and this and that and the other. And so I had talked to Chris Broussard on the phone. Me, Cleveland preacher, on two separate occasions, one time for over an hour, talking to him about this film. Uh, I've talked to, she's fine. I've talked to, um, I've talked to, what was it? Oh, uh, I used to play for Charlie Ward, used to play for the New York Knicks, Highland Trophy winner for Florida State, uh, who sent my stuff to Spike Lee, which I don't know if Spike Lee would have been a good match, but it's a sports film. But I mean, I, I get, I'm talking emails and phone calls with these people. Me, with the junkie office, standing up here preaching to y'all on Sunday because I understand it's about my faith, about my obedience, and my actions. And when nobody believed at first that we could make that first movie and have all your nuts this and up my whole house until they show up at the movie theater and, 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 and did what wrong and watch the film. Right? Nobody, nobody believed it. Nobody believed it. Because I understood it's about my faith, about my obedience, and about my action. Amen. Right? And it's about your faith, your obedience, and your action. That's right. Right? You, you can't be stopped. You can't look around and say, hey, because of this or because of that, I, I can't do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. It's not about everybody around. It's about whether you believe. Because everybody who has access to the Word of God, That's you right. can accomplish whatever God says in it. Amen. Y'all don't think you can in front of those people and say... You stand up in front of those people and say, this is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says that I can have. This is necessary. You have to buy into that. Yeah. And so, let me tell you what you can do. You can keep playing the game and say, well, you know, I'm going to have a foot in and a foot out and one foot out. And, and, and then I get older and wish you would have done what you believed that you could have possibly, or what, what you heard that you could have done. Or you can, you can do it. Yeah. Or you can do it. We were having a conversation uh Thursday, was it Thursday or Friday night? Some other things that we want to do with the restaurant in in an exhausted state. And I said, I don't believe God brought us all this way for us just to settle and say, okay, we got a restaurant open and we do have a visit. I said, no, we're going for the jugular bank. (laughs) 
I said, I said, no one in Cleveland has established themselves in the manner that I believe they will establish ourselves. We make these couple little changes and we set ourselves in the place at, to where I believe that God wants for us to be. Amen. So one of the things that we're going to do is the artwork on the big truck, we're going to change it. We're going to have big old brand new fat floors down one side, that, that logo down on one side, and the church on the other side. And I don't know what we're going to put on the back. But uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we're going to be doing that. And so uh, you, you'll be able to see it going uh, going through Cleveland and the surrounding areas. Amen. Uh, Amen. So, so and, and then, you know, good things have happened. I met my friend Nathan. Yes. Did I get it right that time? Nathan came into the restaurant with his son and had had him some nice food, and he said it tasted good too. And and Nathan sat down. He talked to uh, I think Lori Gibson. He said, "Hey, I want to know about the church. I haven't been to church in a long time." And so, look, Nathan's here this morning. We didn't go up to Nathan and say, "Hey, look, uh, I got these tracks for you. Uh, have that you been saved? What's it seem like in your life?" And he said, "No." Because of the presence of God, and I told you what the project would do, and it will continue to do that. But you just have to follow and listen to the Lord. Amen? Amen. So we praise God for Nathan and his family this morning. So so again, it's about you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do that God told you to do? All things are possible for the person that will believe. Amen. When, when, again, when nobody thought, I, I'm, I don't live in Hollywood, I'm from Aldine Mailrock. <laughs> Aldine Mailrock didn't graduate with no special training, I wasn't even in the drama class. That's right. right? But I believed that I could do it. And so then first, the first film we did it, licensed it, oh, I didn't even know about license. I didn't know what we were doing. People started calling us from London and Africa and said, well, I want to network here, this network over there, and how much will it cost us to show your films over there? Well, heck, I don't know, I need to ask somebody. <laughs> right? And so we had to ask somebody, and they did it. And then the next thing, we, we found another distributor up in California. I got a good friend of mine that I met over in, uh, in, in California. We went to a, a, a market over there. Markets where you take your movies, and you sell them to people, and they distribute them in different places, and this, and the other, varying whatever, and I'm sitting by the pool with my, my projects, right? And I'm, I'm lost as a goose in a snowstorm. I'm sitting by the pool, and I've got my projects in my hand, and my, my other man, Rob, that I tell him he'll probably be coming to church here soon, he's walking around being Rob, trying to talk to people and this and that and the other, and I'm like, we need a game plan. And so this guy walks over to me, his name is Gil Benzibi, a uh, uh, Jewish guy, and he says, he just starts talking to me, he says, hey, how you doing, what's going on? So I started to tell Gil about myself and my situation. And Gil, that was, man, that was eight, oh eight, something like that. And me and Gil are still friends to this day, giving me tons of advice. Yeah. And uh, so we sit there and, and we learn and develop some relationships. And that led to us getting the second film on Netflix in 2012. So it was on Netflix for the whole year 2012. No training. All the email route, never took drama class, and I did two films. And so now this next one, uh, I can't do this one. I mean, uh, Lenny's dad's going to come and, and shoot the uh, the scene for us. And he'll be intense and we'll do that. But, but, but this I need like $45 million to make this movie. Huh? $45 million, huh? Yes. Amen. But it doesn't matter if I need 20000 I don't have that either. <laughs> right, so so if you don't have it, I heard a man say this one time. He said it takes as much effort to go to the store to get one slice of bread as it takes to go get the whole loaf. That's right. Yeah, exactly. 
It takes as much effort to go get one slice of the dough. If I'm going to go to the store, I might as well get the whole loaf. Amen? And so God, the Bible says, all things are possible for him that will believe. And it's yes. in him. Yes. It's in him. You don't need a group. A group is good. Where two or more gathered in there is more power. One to put a thousand, two to put ten thousand. But a thousand is still a lot. So is. Amen? So it's about your faith, about your obedience, and about your actions. You know, and one of the uh, things that happens to me, I can tell when somebody's giving because they start to change. They start to believe I can do this and I can do that. And they, they, their mentality literally breaks your limited mentality. Yeah. And you, once, once it's got into you, you start making decisions like I, I can do it. It changes how you feel. It changes what you think you can do. The limitation on every person is in their mind. If, if you can move, you can walk. I don't listen. I don't care if you can't walk and you got, uh, you know, uh, crutches, a wheelchair, whatever. You you can wheelchair. You can be moved. That's right. Right? Who is this guy? Stephen Hawking. This brother couldn't move. Couldn't do nothing. He got a wheelchair. That brother did all kind of unbelievable things. Right? So it's not about, you, you, listen, I, I heard another man God said this, I'm adopting this too. He said this, excuses are crutches for the uncommitted. That's right. Right? Excuses are crutches for the uncommitted. You always got excuses about why you can't do this and why this happened, this and this. Remember that guy, Jesus walked you up at the pool and he said, listen, he said, would you like to be made whole? Yeah. The brother yeah. said, look, uh, you know, every time the pool starts getting trouble, they ain't got nobody to push me in. Everybody else always jumps in front of me. <laughs> Jesus didn't ask him why he can't get in the water. That's right. Jesus asked him, would you like to be made whole? Because what he didn't understand is that you're depending on some moving water, but today the living water is going to The living water is standing in front of you, and I'm asking you, would you like to be made whole? I don't want to talk about the pool right now. This is just a pool of water. I'm a flow of water. Amen. Amen. And so if you understand what the flow of water is about, it'll make anything possible for you and you can do anything in life. But if you sit around all the time and you need a crowd and you need somebody to co-sign for what you're doing, most listen, most people are lazy. And, and, and it, when the, the blessing of God looks like a lot of work. I told you this before, three percent of the people run everything. Ten percent murmur and complain, and the other eighty-seven percent follow behind. Three percent percent of the people run everything. The ten percent underneath them murmur and complain, and the other eighty-seven percent follow behind. Look, if you look around your pants, you got on your clothes, your shirt you got on. You didn't make your clothes. There's a small group of people who make all our clothes. Yeah, that's right? right? There's a small group of people who provide all our television programs. There's a small group of people who lead and do everything, and the rest of us get behind them, and we fall in place. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you feel like there's not a whole lot of people doing something that God called you to do, that doesn't mean that you're wrong. It just means that you're in the, in the leadership group in that area. Right. Amen? So, listen, I'll take the cost. It's about your faith, about your effort, your, your, your obedience. That's what it's about. Right, so this morning we're not talking about none of that. <laughs> this morning we're talking about temptation. This is what the Lord gave me to talk about today. Amen. So that's what we're going to talk about. Lord, I just thank you right now thank for, you. for the introduction. I thank you for the introduction. I thank you for that word. And we just pray. I, I pray God that you uh, will give me what you put on my heart uh, very quickly to download into them and uh, open up their hearts to receive and to hear. And uh, that they can walk away and, and, and do it. Okay, so uh, let's go to, very quickly, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 15. Matthew 6, 9 through 15. 
And that, that is where we find uh, the scripture where that we call, that we, we base the Lord's Prayer off of. It doesn't read exactly like when we say the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't read exactly that way. But you can see all of the foundation for the prayer is in that passage of scripture. And so one thing I told you you have to take note of is when somebody asks Jesus, they say, Jesus teaches how to pray. Right? And, they, and, and so Jesus turns around, whatever answer Jesus gives, that's a pretty serious answer. Yes. And so a lot of us, when we kids, they teach us this prayer. They say, you know, learn, here's the Lord's Prayer. And then when we go to the football game, I used to, I did, I was a chaplain for a, a high school football team, uh, all the high school for a season. And they used to pray that prayer and they prayed real quick because that was religious. It was not, uh, 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 it didn't bother anybody. You know, simple prayer, universal, everybody can do it. They didn't really understand what they were saying. But off that team, uh, off that team, one of the guys, Darren Thomas, went to go on to play for the Oregon Ducks. They won a national championship that year. Uh, the quarterback, uh, then he went and played, drove all over in Canada. Um, but yeah, man, I, like I said, it, it, and I have to just say this to, to you that, man, you can do whatever. We had uh, one of the teams. That we we uh, funded their summer basketball program before we came here, and uh, there's a guy that plays for the Sacramento Kings off of that team. Uh, a few more of one of them went on to play ball over seas uh, in Europe. Uh, another one over in Lithuania. Another one in Sweden. So I mean, just just hey man, you can get in it. Amen. You can get in. I had the pleasure of teaching them Bible. Amen, and they liked it. So you, you can do whatever God has for you to do. You can, you can make an impact on life if you so choose to do that. So here we're talking about this prayer. God teaches, te- again, people teach to the kids. They don't think this is something very powerful or whatever. But if you listen to the essence and the core of what they're trying to say, man, this is what God wants. Amen. Jesus taught them to say what God wants. <clears throat> so we'll read right here. It says, after this manner, this is Jesus' answer to him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven. Right? So acknowledge who he is. Right? Hallowed be thy name. Acknowledging, uh, giving praise for, for what he is. Um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Right? So, how many of you know God wants his will to be done? Yeah. yeah. Right? So, man, hey, listen, that's, that's an important part of the prayer. Pray that God's will be done where? Here, not in heaven. Don't, don't be praying that heaven is all right. Everybody's going to take over heaven. <laughs> the devil already tried. Nobody's going to take over heaven. Right? So he says, pray that God will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What you need to add to that prayer is, God, your will be done in my life. As it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my business as it is in heaven. So he's telling them to pray that God's will be done. Right? I mean, you believe that's important. And now he goes on, he says to them, give us this day our daily bread. Meet my needs today. You don't need tomorrow's needs met today. You just need today. That's right. Right? So many of us worry about tomorrow, and we're not even in tomorrow. That's right. Right? And that, you have to learn how to manage where you are, what you're doing. People get stressed out about tomorrow. Most of the time people get depressed about tomorrow. It ain't because of the day. As a matter of fact, it's kind of hard to be stressed out about today. If you ain't got nothing to eat and you're starving, you got to spend your time thinking about eating. Your stomach growl. I can't be depressed when my stomach growl. I got to do something. <laughs> right? So, really, my, my depression is about tomorrow. What? I'm worried about what I'm going to eat tomorrow. Today, I'm so hungry. I just got to get something to eat. Good. 
Right? You don't see a lot of these people like that are going around in these parking lots asking you for money and talking about I want a sandwich. They ain't really depressed. Hey, how you doing? My car ran out of gas down the street. Right? And so I need to get five dollars. I need to make it all the way across the other side of town. Number one, you're not gonna make it across the other side of town on five dollars. Number two, you asked me that three times last week, so I know you're fine. <laughs> but they're not depressed, they're trying to get their money. So they'll come and ask you three times. So they're not, they, they got to do something. Depression is about tomorrow. Right? So we worried about, he said, give me what I need today. Amen? Amen. Um, he says this, and he goes on, he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men when your trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. I want to stop and look at that. Lead us not into temptation. When we read that passage, it sounds like we ask the Lord, Lord, don't take me into temptation. That's what it sounds like he's saying. But he's telling us, actually, not God, God, you don't take us into temptation, but keep us away from yeah. temptation. Keep me away from so lead us not into temptation. So God, lead us. You gotta understand how they talk and the things they say. He's he not asking God, and I'll show you biblical proof that God is not gonna lead him into temptation anyway. And so he's, he's saying, don't let me, don't let me be tempted. Don't let me go into temptation. And then he tells, in the next uh, part, he tells them to pray that they be delivered from evil. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't, don't let me go into temptation and deliver me from evil. Right? And so, um, that's what I want to look at this morning. Jesus, Jesus put that in the prayer. With all these other important things, he put that in there. He said, don't let me be tempted. Don't let me go in a place where I'm tempted. And take me away from evil. <clears throat> Let's go to uh, 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 James chapter 1, verse 14. James 1, 14. How many of you ever had a situation when you were tempted? Nobody's going to tell the truth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's tempted. We all are. And so that's why we need to talk about this. I ain't never tempted. I'm a super Christian. Holy roller. Talking tongue. Got my Bible with me everywhere I go. You look at me. You lying now. You lying now. And then you need to be tempted not to lie. <laughs> Got no problem with free reign. It's just coming out. James chapter 1, verse uh, 14. So he says, uh, says this. <clears throat> I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic Version. It says, but every person is tempted when he's drawn away, enticed, and baited. Right? So a person is tempted. Can you hear me back there? All right. So they're enticed and baited. Right? So they're enticed... And they're baited by his own desire, lust, or passions. Yeah. So temptation don't come from God. Who does the scripture say the temptation come from? It come from you. Right? Influenced by the enemy. But it's, 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 some kind, it's made its way inside of you. We're going to look at that. So he said, let's read it again. But every person is tempted when he is drawn away. The enemy's doing that part. He's drawing you away. He's already planted the seed. You've taken the bait, right? Enticed and baited by his uh, own evil desire, lust, and passion. Then the evil desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. 
And sin, when it is fully matured, how many of you know that it goes on like that? First it starts out as lust, temptation, right? All right, then it's conceived, it gives birth to sin. Got a bouncing baby sin boy, right? Bouncing baby sin boy. Yeah, yeah, it's you got it. Bouncing little sin baby. And the sin wants you to feed it. Feed me, feed me. More lust and more sin. Feed me. Right? So it gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully matured. Have you ever seen these people, you watch these programs and you see these people like serial killer or this bad person and done a whole bunch of other stuff? They, are, they was all born naked and, you know, cute. Oh, look at his eyes. That, that always trips me out. When I look at a grown person who's done something really horrible, I, I have to remember, man, that was a baby. Innocent baby. But it matured into something that was not innocent. And what, what happened in the process of that maturation, there, sometimes there's just this supernatural evil that's present. Sometimes it's ex- life experiences and things that you're exposed to. But the evil was present and it baited and it pulled them in and it ma- matured them into something very ungodly. Amen? So we're looking at the process of it. But the seed of it is... Temptation, lust, passions. Now, lust, we use use the word lust oftentimes just in sexual situations. But that's not, that's not it. Lust is like something that you, whatever you want really bad. That's right. Right? So, so, let's matter of fact, let's look at some definitions. The definition of temptation is, and it's a very simple one, something that makes you want to do it or have something that you know you should have not. Something that makes you want to do or have something that you know you should not. You know it. Right? Ooh-wee. My goodness. I sure would like to have that. Man. Nobody will see me. Mm-hmm. Nobody will know. I'm a thousand miles away. Hmm. And nobody will ever know. I know I don't need to do it. I did it several times before. Every time I go away out of town, I do it. And I really don't need to do it. Help me. Somebody stop me. But I'm about to go in here and get this chocolate cake. I'm about to go in here and get this cake. You didn't tell everybody else you're on a diet. Why didn't you sneak away out of town? I'm going to get this Right? And lust could be anything. It could be something more serious, but it could be anything. It could be something that you, you want to buy, and you know you shouldn't buy that thing. That's right. You know your wallets can't handle that thing right now. Yeah. But you're just sitting there, hey, look here, I'm fixing to go get this car note, you know, $1,100 car note, but I'm going to shine when I pull up. I'm shining. You like it? You like it? I saw this, this uh, meme thing on, uh, uh, I think it was Facebook, somewhere on social media. It was, it was a video or something. And so this guy, he gets the income tax check, $8,000 income tax check. Right? So he goes and buys a, puts a down payment on a Bentley. <laughs> it's true. So, so he roll up and come home, and he, this girl tells this girl, come outside, baby, look what I just got. I got us a Bentley. And not even a four-door, just a two-door. And the girl comes outside like, we got six kids, and you put the whole income tax check on a Bentley? On a down, down payment. 
Not not the whole car, but a down payment. <laughs> right? So temptation can be anything that you don't you know you know you shouldn't do. Right? But you just feel like you gotta have it. Alright, the definition of lust. Definition of lust is to be consumed with desire or lust for something. To be consumed with desire or lust for something. Right? Now let's let's go a little deeper and look at the that's something I talked about some time back. Let's, t- let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 23. We're almost done. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. Temptation. Temptation. Temptation is the seed that brings the house down. Temptation is the seed that brings the house down. In many marriages, you got a person tempted by opposite sex. It could be somebody tempted by the same sex. Sex, this is the thing about it. In church, we give homosexual people a very hard time, right? But sexual immorality is sexual immorality. Period. Whether it's homosexual or heterosexual, yeah. right? God say, don't do it. You're not married to the person. Don't do it. You're the same sex as the person. You're not married to the person. Don't do it. Same sex as the person. Even if you think you're married to the person, don't do it. Sexual immorality is sexual immorality. It don't matter who it's with. So, we, we, listen, we're we giving them a hard time. We, we Listen, turn the light back on ourselves. All right, so now, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 23. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Somebody say heart. heart. For they are life unto those who find them, and they are health unto all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it uh, flows the issues of life. So he tells you to guard your heart, keep your heart, for out of your heart flows the issues of life. Lust is in the heart. Right? That's why when it conceived, that's, that's where the whole, the, the, the deliverance process comes from. The, the temptation gets in there, and, 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 and lust gets in the heart, and before you know it, you got a bouncing baby sin. Right? And then it, it, and, and it's growing, it's maturing, and it's getting worse. Let, let, let's, let's spend some practical time for just a second before we go into some of this other stuff. Spend some practical time. So you're in a situation where uh, whatever uh, evil that has been pulling at you, whether it's, it's, it's something that's... Because some people have issues, family issues. They're born into the world, and they have this thing that the whole family has struggled with. And so, uh, and I can't quite explain it, but I do, I do know it exists. So you got the whole family that deals with it. It could be alcoholism, yeah. right? It could be drug abuse. I told you I had a friend of mine. He came one time and he shared that there was a Christmas holiday where he was in jail, his dad was in jail, and his grandfather was in jail on the same Christmas holiday. And this guy did 10 years uh, in penitentiary for bank robbery, right? So his whole, all, three generations of men were all locked up at the same period of time. Right? But he became a Christian and he preached the gospel and he's doing great now. But but some things just follow. Uh, in some families there is uh, abuse, physical abuse, there could be sexual abuse, this, that, and the other. And you look back and it went generations. Generations of abuse that happens. Right? And so when there are things in our life that we know that we have an issue with, whether it's a generational thing or it's something that you expose yourself to, you have to be mindful of that. You say, hey, listen, I, I, I have, there's something I'm dealing with in this area. I have to be mindful of that. I have to be on guard for that. Um, 
if if I'm a person that, and I, I've never smoked weed in my life, right? I, my, my thing was alcohol. I used to drink alcohol. But I never, my grandmother told me from the time I was two years old, never do drugs, and I've never done drugs my whole life, right? At a certain point, you know, people, when, when I was younger, people who smoked weed were called weed head. Right? It was not a, a glamorous thing. You were weed head, it was you look like a low life. But now, it's like, if you don't smoke, you're just not cool. If you don't smoke weed and run around and not remember where your car keys are and kill your brain cells and all this kind of stuff, you're not cool. If you don't smell like weed when you roll up in there with cologne all on top of it, you're not cool. Think back in your right mind, right? Weed is not cologne. It does not enhance your uh, sensory abilities. It's a drug that's killing your brain cells. Maybe may be good for medication, but you know you don't need to smoke it. The rest of the medicine, they put it in the pill bottle for us, or they stick it in the injection. You know, brownies and smoking. No. Let's stop it. So if you're tempted with certain things, you don't need to go in that environment. Right? You understand that? So listen, you, you understand that. Let's, let's do it like this. You are attracted to the secretary or, or somebody in the, in the mailroom department or, or, or the window washer or the UPS man. You know, you, you the clerk at the desk and the UPS man come in with his summer shorts on and, you know, and his calves all bulging, you know. <laughs> Right? You don't need to be going over there talking to the UPS man. Right? If you got this, your man can't wear the same shorts like the UPS man, his days is over with. Right? So listen, because the UPS man wear tight shorts and got big calves, you don't need to be going over making him with, hey, Ralph. <laughs> How you doing? Are you doing all right today? Listen, you done ran three flights of stairs and you know exactly to the team what time he show up and go try to catch up with the with the UPS man. You know, you don't need to do that. You know you got a problem. Listen, you need to stay up on the third floor. <laughs> stay up on the third floor and stay away from Ralph. You know Ralph got somebody at home and you run down there and you know, trying to meet up with Ralph. You know, listen, you stay away from the temptation. The Bible says the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? So, so listen, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and they were telling me, well, I'm strong enough, I can do this and do that. I said, no, I said, that's not wisdom what you're talking about right there. Wisdom says I don't trust my heart. That's wisdom. Wisdom says I don't listen. I want you to understand, in a given set of circumstances, you do not know what you will do. In a given set of circumstances. In one environment, you may not do something wrong. In another environment, listen, if I'm a person that was a frequent marijuana user, in church, right now, there is no temptation to, to smoke marijuana. But if I take you and put you in crowds with other people, and they, they're not smoking right now, but you get close enough. Well, no Oh. Right? And so then you, you in these environments around that, you're making a problem for yourself. You are putting yourself in a place to be tempted with something you got a problem with. That's right. Amen? So, so listen, if you, you, understand, you understand, you alcohol used to be your issue. You go around people drinking alcohol, they, they, they put off a smell, it's a vibe, they start acting loose. You, you can put yourself in that situation, you're going to be tempted to do that. Whatever it is, you're trying to get in shape, people uh, uh, around and they eating a bunch of stuff, carbohydrates, this, that, and the other. Listen, you don't, don't put yourself in that environment, right? Don't put yourself in that environment. I'm going to tell you, we got all kinds of good food 
can eat over it. Right? I pick what I last night, you know what I had? I had a smoked chicken salad. Right? The other day I had I had some ribs, I had some potatoes, I had some beans. The other day I had some pizza. I don't eat that three times a day. I mean, I'll, I'll eat it maybe like, I don't know, maybe, I'll eat it maybe like four or five times a week. That's what I do. Right? That's one meal. Four or five meals. I don't all day. Right? <laughs> And so you have, to, you have to understand, you don't put yourself in environments with things that's going to tear you down, that's going to hurt you. If you're a person and you know you have to steal, you don't need to be a bank teller. <laughs> you know that you got a problem taking stuff that don't belong to you. You don't need to be signing no financial documents. Right? Behind closed doors with no calculator, talking about your account. No. That's when you find yourself in a penitentiary. So whatever tempts you, you need to stay away from that. Now let's let's look at something more serious here. Let's look at the heart. And we went over this before. The definition of heart. Definition of heart. Give me give me twelve minutes. We'll be walking out the door. Definition of heart. The inner man, mind, will, heart, understanding. Inner part, midst, midst of all, midst of things. Heart of a man. Soul, heart of a man. Did you know that when they talk about your soul, they're talking about the deeper heart is, is another word for soul. It can't be another word for soul. Of course, you got a physical heart, but they're talking about your soul. And we're gonna get we're gonna get even closer here in a second. Mind, knowledge, thinking, reflection, memory, inclination, resolution, determination of will, conscience, heart of a moral character of of moral character, a, a seat of appetite. Remember that word seat, a seat of emotions and passions. So your heart is the seat of your emotions and your passions. Remember what I talked about? Evil influences could show up like that. It could be later on. But, but everybody is vying for a seat in your heart. Sin and the devil wants to have a seat in your heart. Jesus wants to have a seat in your heart. What, what does that mean? That word seat means they want to rest. They want to find a place where they can live and they can rest. Right? And so what happens is when you put yourself in these environments and you're around it long enough, right? The, the wrong habits, wrong things, they sit down. And so no, no, it's no wonder that when you get into a situation and you feel tempted or you want to do the wrong thing, it's because you've allowed them to take a seat and get comfortable in your heart. This is just what we do. We, 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 we go in environments, and, you know, we hang around people who smoke, we hang around people who drink. That's what we do. You know, I, 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 I watch TV shows with half-naked women and movies with sex scenes. Like, this is what I do. And so now when I come into an environment somebody's attractive, I, I do have a problem because I've allowed it to take a seat in my heart. It's comfortable. And so you wonder, why can't I stop? Why can't I stop? Stop watching that stuff on TV. Stop listening to that music. Stop going around those people. I had a friend of mine tell me the other day, he said, man, I was, we were talking and the Lord led me down this road to talk to him about lust and about uh, sexual lust. And he told me, he said, man, and I was talking about conversations. That I said, man, you don't be around guys that talking about women and, oh, she's hot and this, that, and the other. I said, man, you don't, you don't entertain the conversation. And, and so and I'm, I'm not telling him, I said, man, hey, you don't have to uh, be sitting up there worried about looking like a nerd. I said, you just humble yourself and you tell him, hey, man, I, you know, right now I'm trying to get closer to God. I can't get here, man. So, man, I ask you, please, man, don't just, man, keep that y'all hold that. 
You don't have to be a preacher and say, you're going to go to hell. You're talking about women and your lust is full of lust. You don't have to be Steve Merkel at your job. You just need to tell them as if it's for me. I'm not trying to hear that right now. Yeah. Going on with that, man. I still love y'all with friends and all that, but no, I, don't, I don't need to be there right now. That's how you handle that. Right? You're moving. Some people just sit there and listen. You feel it because you feel like you're under pressure to do that. But no, you don't need to entertain that. You need to stay away from that. Whatever that is that's causing you to be tempted, you need to be away from that. You need to push back from that. If you want to have success where the things of God are, are, are concerned. Right? There's a way to do that. But if you're always in some kind of environment, all your friends, ain't nobody thinking about God, you come to church and you're that church person and you love God in church and you really love God, then you go in this environment around all these other people. No wonder you can't get to where you want to be with God. Because you're constantly feeding what's already seated there. You have to uproot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to pull out those things that have been seated there that are not like God. Cast down every evil thought and all imaginations that try to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. You have to pull them out. You have to cast them out. You have to take yourself away from that. Amen. Right? I don't have stupid friends who are, you know, always saying dumb things because they're cool. I don't care how cool you are. If you, you're crazy, I'm not going to hang out with you. <laughs> now, my friends, we are, everybody knows that hang around me anytime. I like to laugh. I like to have a good time. But you're not going to catch me ever saying anything inappropriate. Amen. You're not going to catch me saying that. Listen, uh, you know, and I used to have a problem. Like, if I got real mad, I cuss. <clears throat> Struggled with that for years after I got saved, even when I was a preacher. Make me mad at all. Cuss, man. But I realized I had to get control over cussing in private so that cussing would never come out in public. You have to control it in private if you don't, it'll come out in public. I told y'all that story. I had a friend of mine, and uh, this guy was one of the uh, the deacons at the church. And so he pulls up at the house for a uh, we had a, a function at the house for some food. And he pulls up at the house and it just got through rain and he got out the car and he didn't realize he had a cell phone on his lap. And so his phone jumped out onto the ground and he tried to catch it. He missed it and landed in the water. And boy, he gave a sermon, an ungodly sermon right there. <laughs> Before he even knew it, it already came out. Lord have mercy. But what you do in private, come on down. it's going to come out in public. If you don't ever want it to come out in public, don't do it in private. Amen. Don't do it in private. That, that's called character. That's called integrity. I'm going to control it myself. Me and you going to fix it now, God. No, I don't never want nobody to see this. Amen. So you think you're going to hide it at your house? That's, that's why my thing, when I tell people now, and I, and I say this. I was talking to a friend of mine last week. We were talking about drinking. And so I can't, I can't uh, say anything about drinking wine from the Bible. I can't. From what I read in the Bible, some people say it wasn't fermented, this and that and the other. I, I don't know enough. I've had an eight-hour-long discussion about this with people. I can't say that, hey, you can't drink wine. My thing with, with leaders, your leadership here, you can't drink. Wine, nothing. Let me tell you why. Let's say that I'm at the house in the privacy of my own home. And I'm enjoying some, some wine, some sparkling bread. Right? And so, and so, uh, you know, I'm there. And for me, I'm gonna tell you about me. I can't. It would never work for me. One glass of wine, 
Nope, it's going to be two, three, whatever. Because let me tell you something, you don't ever know when the emotions going to start pushing the buttons. And so right now, I'm drinking because of, you know, you know, just social. And then once I get depressed, you know what, I, when life starts getting hard, I'm going to take it like medicine. And Jesus wants to have that place. That's right. Jesus, Jesus is more concerned about the why than the what. He says that he will give you his peace that passes all understanding. So when we start medicating with the liquor and the drugs, we're, we're not giving that place to Jesus, and Jesus wants that place. Amen. Amen. So let's say that uh, that somebody calls. Let's say Pastor, Pastor Eli calls me, and he says, uh, Pastor, I got an emergency at my house, and this, this, and this. And, you know, it's 12 o'clock at night on Friday. I don't expect nobody's going to call. And I'm over there halfway down this bottle of wine, and Eli calls, need me to show up. I'm trying to sober up. <laughs> Oh my God! You know, what what's the prayer that I need to go over there with? Uh, 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 Mitch, you know, boy, ain't enough Mitch to get that 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 office bro. You know, so when I show up over his house and I'm halfway trying to, you know, get the noise to work, you know, I'm just staggering out through the door, you know, coming in, hey, what's what's going on? You say the problem is, yeah, we're gonna handle it, we're gonna take care of it, and, you know, it's gonna be all right. And I'm going to the corner, sit down, and go to sleep. The prison was good. <laughs> Okay, so you know what I'm saying? You don't never know. You don't know. Listen, I sleep with shorts on every day because you just don't know. Right? You don't know. Right? So, I, I, listen, I don't, I don't drink. I haven't drank for, oh, my God, 24, 25? I used to drink, man. I used to drink. And I tell you what, and I, and I won't be around it long either. I'll be honest with you. Even after 20-something years, I don't I don't want to be around you. I don't want to be tempted. Amen. Amen? So so listen, whatever it is in your life, and I want you to understand something too. I'm not the church police. All right? And nobody else is the church police either. These things are things that will help you in your life. These things will help you. Whatever you think you get away from with people, you're not getting away from it with God. And so why did God give us rules? God gives us rules so that we won't hurt ourselves. Not because he wants to be the police in your life. Because it's your life going to be the one to do the damage for doing what he told you not to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, the, let me finish with this. He said to deliver us from evil because evil is a force. Everybody's seen Star Wars before. They talk about the dark side. Evil is a real force. So they ask God, hey man, don't let us get caught up in the force of evil. The Bible says to flee temptation and the, the appearance of evil. And one uh, part of what happens is that, that we don't get that lesson. We don't understand that. That's right. If you get away from it quick before it starts, ain't no chance in it, in it getting to the bad place. Amen? Your lust or sin is an open door for the dark side. Your lust or your sin is an open door for the dark side. You open up the door for the devil to come in. 